from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're all set to go against the spread on this week number two of the upcoming NFL football season, week number three in college football. And, Victor, quite a week it was on both fronts last week, college football and the NFL. Welcome back to the show once again. And any overthoughts you might have to kick off the show about college football last week? Well, certainly we've got some weather conditions coming in for this week's games, Mark, that we're going to uh, definitely cover, see which games are impacted. And, of course, uh, the number one thing being that everybody batting down the hatches there on the eastern seaboard, uh, ride this thing out. We were in your shoes last year around this time, and uh, this is that time of the year. In fact, this last Monday, from what I hear, as far as the calendar goes, was the busiest day of the hurricane season, basically. Uh, but those aside, and weather conditions aside, Mark, you know, it's been a rough start down here for our college football teams in the sunshine state of Florida. Uh, definitely a rough start uh, for the major programs down here. Unquestionably, Victor, you look up and down at what's happened inside the state of Florida and lo and behold, if you had to do a power ranking of all the teams inside the state, I think, Victor, you'd agree you'd probably have to put Central Florida as the top team in the state entering this weekend. You could almost say that in regards to the first three teams, the expiration date ended at around 10 o'clock p.m. on Saturday. That's when Florida completed their dismal home loss to perennial foil Kentucky. You know, the Wildcats had not beaten the Gators since 1986. And they outplayed Florida in the swamp all night long. And for once, they didn't, like, you know, self-destruct at the end of the game or anything like that. And right around the same time, uh, the losing streak ending, of course, Florida State was actually trailing, losing to FCS Samford in Tallahassee to boot. The Seminoles, of course, in that game were favored by, what, 28 to 31 points. And they would trail for 52 minutes and 20 seconds in that game before finally taking a lead in the last four minutes of the game. And that was the first time that they had had a lead this season. Of course, we remember that Monday night game, a 24-3 home loss to Virginia Tech to start the season. Endless embarrassments, embarrassments for the Seminoles in the game and a rough start for both head coaches, new head coaches, at both schools, Dan Mullen in Florida, Willie Taggart at FSU. Uh, the optimism is kind of gone now, and it's basically replaced by what a, a sobering return to the reality of 2017 when both programs were pretty bad. Not to mention we know what happened in week one in terms of our Miami Hurricanes losing to LSU. And you said it, the undisputable fact right now is that Central Florida, with a winning streak now at 15 games, remains the best team in the state by a pretty wide margin. Yeah, it's arguable whether they're the best group of five team in college football this year. Boise State might have something to say about that, and we'll talk about Boise State just a bit later on in the show with our featured college football game of the week. 
And you mentioned about Florida State in that game. You said it was against Samford, not Stanford. Am I correct about <laughs> trailing <laughs> Samford? <laughs> right, F-C-S Samford, yes. Unbelievable. And in fact, if you looked inside the stats, which I love to do at every college and pro football game, <clears throat> you'll see that uh, last week there were 10 teams that uh, won the games but lost the stats inside out. One of them by 100 yards. That was South Florida uh, won the game but got out yarded 100 yards. But Florida State was one of those teams that won the game against Samford yet got outstatted in the football game. Uh, that's just, to me, is mind-boggling. Uh, the, the game, first of all, shouldn't have even been on Florida State's schedule to begin with, let alone uh, a tragic result like that, a near disaster, if you will, in the making. There were also six other college football teams that won games straight up as underdogs of seven or more points. So we'll keep an eye on those football teams this week to see how they fare in the world of college football. Usually the reaction is, in charting these stats like I do, teams that win games in inside-out fashion and then come favored the following week, read Florida State, usually tend to struggle because there's problems inside the program that aren't being reported on the scoreboard, but they are in the stats. I'm visiting with Victor King from King Creole Sports as we go against the spread on this week number two of the NFL football season, week number three in college football. And Victor, let's take it over to the NFL side of things. And speaking about winning stats and doing the stats, looking inside the stats, uh, looking last week, there was one team in the NFL, Victor, that won a football game and was outyarded by 100 yards in the stats that was, to no surprise, Kansas City with Andy Reid's trait happens to be winning games and getting out-yarded. Your take on Kansas City and how NFL teams fared as far as the totals were concerned last week. A interesting first week in the NFL, Mark. First off, we got to point out the fact that uh, it was a rough one for the new head coaches in the NFL. Teams with a new head coach went 0-7 in week one. It was the worst record uh, by a group of new head coaches in NFL history, the previous worst was 0-6 back in 2001. Uh, amongst that 0-7 straight-up record, there was a 1-6 ATS mark, the only new head coach's team who actually covered the spread was Mike Nagy and the Chicago Bears, who, of course, uh, barely hung on to at least get the ATS cover against the Green Bay Packers in the Sunday night game. Uh, a fortunate game for us. It was our only underdog play of the week in the NFL. And uh, our little dog, Monkey, started the week off very, very nice with a winner on the Chicago Bears in that particular game. But a rough, rough start for the new head coaches. Uh, NFL underdogs, pretty much a middle of the road. They went 7-6-1 and one ATS on the week. Two NFL games were actual pick'ems at kickoff. That would be the Miami-Tennessee game down here and the Atlanta-Pittsburgh Thursday night game to start the season. Amongst that underdog record of 7-6-1, it was the divisional dogs who brought home the bacon. The divisional underdogs, all four of them that played last weekend, win a perfect 4-0 ATS. Cleveland Browns cover the spread. Kansas City Chiefs, the game that you just mentioned, Mark. Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers against the New Orleans Saints, and of course the Bears, the team that we just mentioned. It was the division dogs who brought home the bacon last week in the NFL. And in terms of totals, a wild, wacky week in totals. Uh, we talked about that Pittsburgh-Cleveland game as our game of the week, last week's uh, podcast show, and I'm hoping that most people got their under action in when we recommended that they did at a line of 45 or higher. 
because it finished at 42. The late weather, the weather impact, the weather forecast in that game dropped the line all the way down to about 42, even 41 points by the time the game kicked off on Sunday. So we're hoping that the Sharp players and the listeners of our podcast played that game under the total when the line was much, much more favorable earlier in the week, the Tuesday, the Wednesday, the Thursday, even Friday. You could have played the game up until Friday night and still cashed a winner on the under in that particular game. For me, the most surprising thing in regards to the totals and the scoring, there was 12 freak scores in week one. And when I say a freak score, it's one of these unlikely scores. There were six pick sixes in week one. There were two fumble return TDs for a touchdown. There were two kickoff return TDs for a touchdown. There were two punt return TDs for a touchdown. There were 39 total interceptions in week one, Mark. That was the most in 2003, since 2003, in any opening week in the NFL. Yeah, quite a resume, a recap of what happened last week in the National Football League. And as you mentioned at the top, Victor, you mentioned about new coaches having rough weeks. None of them won in their debut last week. And, uh, you know, just ironically, I was doing a a show with Brent Musburger on VSIN yesterday on Tuesday when we we do the show on Wednesday. But uh, the first question he asked me, was about the new coaches in the National Football League and what can we expect from them moving forward. And, you know, my answer was that generally new coaches who win their first game in their debut game tend to struggle in week number two, but we're not going to find out about those guys this year because because none of them did. So, you know, it remains to be seen that will be a working project about new coaches. But uh, like you say, they are struggling right now. Ironically, also, we saw a tie in week number one of the National Football League season, the first time that's ever happened, the Browns and the Steelers, as you mentioned. And in my database, uh, we looked at teams in the National Football League and how they fare in games after a tie. It's like kissing your sister. Both teams are probably equally disappointed. Both felt they should have won the game. Maybe in the Browns' uh, favor that uh, they're glad that they didn't lose a football game. But nonetheless, when analyzing teams in the NFL who play to a tie, it's important to remember that their next football game, if they're on the road, they really, really struggle. They've gone since 1980 just 4-21 straight up, 8-17 and 17 to the point spread. And counting backwards since 1989, road teams off a tie are on an 0-10 straight up an ATS losing win streak. On the flip side, if the uh, team goes home off of a tie game, like the Pittsburgh Steelers will be doing this week, they've really fared rather quite well. They're 9-5 and straight up and against the spread, but when they take on an opponent off a win, such as the Kansas City Chiefs will be coming into this game, those home teams off a tie since 1980, are a perfect 5-0 and straight up and against the spread. All neat stuff from our well-oiled machine, our database involving teams in the NFL coming off a tie. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence, Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. Don't go away when we come back. Victor and I, we're going to tear down our college football game of the week, and we've got a beauty on tap. When Boise State takes on Oklahoma State, we'll do that game and a whole lot more soon to come here on Mark Lawrence, Against the Spread.
If your goal is to become a winner at sports wagering, then the all-new Sports Data University is just for you. You can learn responsible sports wagering in live classes and free courses from the world's sharpest sports wagering instructors, such as Mark Lawrence, Victor King, Andy Isco, and an array of other top experts. Join live classes and ask questions you want answers to. Listen, learn, and watch at Sports Data University. Visit today at sportsdata.com. That's Sports Data University, located at sportsdata.com. Have your morning coffee with Mark Lawrence each day when you join his all-new coffee club. Delivered in your email box the very first thing every morning, Mark shares with you his first take on the daily sports scene, ranging from top situational plays to handicapping tips and commentary from fellow coffee club members. It's a quick must-read for the serious sports fan. Join the coffee club today at playbook.com and have your morning coffee with Mark each and every day. You'll be glad you did. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're going against the spread on week number two of the National Football League season. Week number three in college football, where a big non-conference game takes place this week in Stillwater, Oklahoma, when Oklahoma State plays host to Boise State in a real top-level non-conference game. Victor, your take on the Broncos and the Cowboys this Saturday. Well, this could be a fun game, that's for sure. I'm a little surprised by the over-under line movement the, in terms of the favorite and the dog, Oklahoma State, somewhere around a, what, two-and-a-half, three-point favorite in this non-conference game against Mountain West uh, team Boise State. The OU line opened at 66. It's come down two-and-a-half to three points, 63-and-a-half, as we record the show here on uh, uh, Wednesday morning. I think the line's about uh, 10 points too low. You could make a case that it's even more than 10 points, a little bit too low. We'll get to that in a minute. Both teams, of course, we've got to balance things out by the fact that, heck, they've had a cake schedule thus far, both teams. Both teams are 2-0 and to the over thus far this season. Boise State, it comes in 59 points per game. Oklahoma State, 56.5 points per game. Again, consider the competition uh, Boise went over versus Troy in game one. The over-under line was 48.5. Final score was 56-20. to 20. That game cruised over by 27.5 points. Last week against UConn, we tried to step in front of Boise with our king service and go under the total in that game against UConn. We lost it by five points. The over-under line was 63.5. Final score, 62-7. to 7. Uh, against UConn, so they are 2-0 and to the over on the season. So is Oklahoma State. Game one, they went over against South Alabama. The OU line was 64, and final score was 55-13, to so it went over barely by about four points. And against, uh, what was that, Missouri State in game two for the Oklahoma State uh, Cowboy team. 58-17 to was the final score. The game went over by two points. Weather, a slight chance of thunderstorms early in the day in Stillwater. It should be just fine for the 3.30 Eastern kickoff. Temperature somewhere in the middle 80s in this particular game. So with both teams, uh, a perfect combined now 4-0 over under on the season. Boise now dating back to last year, 5-1 to the over in their last six non-conference games. 
perfect uh, 4-0-1 to the over their last five road games. And we got to point out in regards to Oklahoma State, first off, that they're one of the top three best home over teams in all of college football since we clicked over to the new millennium back in 2000. Their last 106 home games, the Cowboys have gone 72-32-2. That's over the total 69%, and that's regardless of whether it's a non-conference game or a conference game or one of these outlaw games that sometimes does not have a line. Uh, the Stillwater is definitely the site of early season fireworks, and while I'll acknowledge that both defenses are capable of stemming the tide at times, uh, make no mistake about it, these offenses are geared to put up video game type numbers, particularly in this month of September. Oklahoma State has traditionally been one of the best, as I mentioned, totals options on the board. They've gone over now in 17 out of 21 home games in September, and there have been some incredibly high-scoring affairs. Twelve of those games have produced 70 or more points. Eight of those games have produced 80 or more points. And two of the four oh. games that went under did so by three points or less. So, hey, who knows? This game, it could be one of those non-conference 100-point shootouts. Either way, I think the line is low at 63 and a half, and I'm grabbing a piece at the over at a nice, attractive. I see the game finishing somewhere around 38 to 35 with perhaps the last team on offense actually catching the win in this game. Either way... Should be a fun one. A lot of fireworks, and we're going over the total. Victor flies over the total in the Boise State-Oklahoma State marquee game this Saturday for his call in that big showdown contest here. And as Victor mentioned here, both of these teams have taken on relatively light schedules. I guess Troy being the best opponent of the four that they faced. Oklahoma State has literally faced sisters of the poor this football season here in Missouri State and South Alabama. Oklahoma State also comes into this football game just 1-5 to the spread the last six times that they've taken on teams with an unbeaten record. So having to step up in football games, Oklahoma State has struggled doing just that. They're also beat the spread only once in their last five games at home against FBS opposition. Boise State, as we mentioned at the top of the show, arguably the best of the all the a uh, group of five football teams this year. Them are, uh, you can say, Central Florida, but I think it's Boise State right now as we speak. And as Victor said, they put up 818 yards of offense in that 62-7 to win over UConn here. This offense is really clicking on all cylinders for the Broncos as we're speaking here. Look inside their numbers in the database. Boise State really excels in this particular role as an underdog. 25-10. and 10. To the spread, the last 35 times they've taken points in football games, 9-1 to the number when they are undefeated themselves and put Boise State in a game undefeated against an opponent that's also undefeated. It's happened four times. They've cashed all four times. With Boise State on this 5-0 run as an underdog the last three years, winning four of those games straight up, I'm going to grab the points with what I think might be the better team in this contest. I'll play Boise State plus the points for my side in this big showdown game on Saturday. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I, we're going to tear down our NFL game of the week. We've got a beauty on tap, a big division matchup between the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings. And we'll hop out to Las Vegas shortly thereafter when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread.
All new Playbooks tokens are here. Only at Playbook.com can you earn rewards and get up to $100 in free Playbucks tokens to use as you choose. And with your Playbucks tokens, you can use them for Playbook Experts picks and selections. Plus, you earn 20% in free bonus tokens when you do. If you haven't got your $100 in free Playbucks tokens, do so now. Simply visit Playbook.com and click on the Tokens link. It's that easy. That's the all-new Playbucks tokens waiting for you at Playbook.com. The only football newsletter in America devoted exclusively to NFL over-under totals. The Totals Tip Sheet is a must-read if you're serious about adding extra income to your bankroll this football season. Get exclusive insight on the overs and unders from Victor King, the NFL Totals Guru, at Playbook.com. The Totals Tip Sheet has got you totally covered this football season. It's the best reference source of its kind in the nation. Get your Totals Tip Sheet today at Playbook.com and enjoy the winners. Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're going against the spread on this weekend's college and pro football card. It's time to hop into our NFL Game of the Week, a beauty inside the NFC North Division when the Minnesota Vikings invade Green Bay to take on the Packers. Victor, how do you see the Packers and the Vikings shaking out this week from an over-under totals perspective? Should definitely be a fun divisional game on Sunday. Mark, let's not forget, since this is Wednesday, that it is Newsletter Central Day. The Playbook Newsletter just came out last night. Of course, the headline talks about the Sooners and their Iowa State payback. Totals tip sheet also had a winning week last week, two and one with our totals plays. We got three games this week. Looks good. And don't forget next week, I believe, the midweek alert starts. So our three newsletters cranking out here at playbook.com. But we're going to talk about the NFL game. And, of course, it's the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings. Over-under line open at 47. It's come down a full point to about 46 as we record the podcast here on Wednesday morning, slightly different results last week for both teams from an over-under perspective. Close as well. Of course, the Packers, thanks to that fourth-quarter comeback, and uh, basically uh, Brett Favre, uh, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers coming out of the locker room and leading them to that win, went over the total against the Chicago Bears last Sunday night. Minnesota hung on to go under the total in their win over San Francisco uh, last week, so we're, we have both teams, uh, Green Bay 1-0 over under Minnesota 0-1. It's been a pretty low-scoring series as of late when these two teams play. The last seven meetings between these two have uh, gone 1-6 and six over under, and by a pretty hefty margin, too, by 7.1 point per game average. So that's more than a full touchdown. The average line, 44.8 average score between these two teams only 37.7. It's been a pretty low-scoring series. And, of course, uh, as I mentioned, both involved in close-over outcomes last week. Last year, Green Bay was a very good team on the road in terms of over seven of their eight road games went over the total at 50.4. But this game is in Green Bay, where they went a middle-of-the-road 4-4 four and four last season. But only 37.6 points per game. Now, we also have to put an asterisk next to that because, of course, Aaron Rodgers was injured for most of the season. But Packer home games were pretty low scoring last year. Minnesota kind of just the opposite. 
their home games were very low scoring, 37.2. Four and four over under on the road, 42.0 points per game. For me this week, Mark, it's, it's going to be either go under the total and play with confidence or pass in the game. This is not a good week to go over the total in uh, division games. And I talked about it in this week's uh, Totals Tip Sheet newsletter, a nice little article in our uh, database history now. Week two games in the NFL, division games, have gone 25-54 and two over under since 1980. And that's basically the start of our database. When the over-under line falls in the range of 43 to 53 points. So a pretty solid 68% under the total percentage and over a nice sample size dating all the way back to 1980 as well. And in the last six years, it's gone even better. It's gone 2-14. and 14. So if you're thinking of going over in a division game this week, think again. Let's think under this week or pass. 2-14 and 14 now over under last six years. Week 2 division games. Over under line, 43 to 53 points. So we're going under the total. Six out of the last seven meetings between these two have gone under. And I think we can play that pretty confidently. Packers, Vikings, under the total. Great stat by Victor King from the Playbook Totals Tip Sheet Database. Week two, game number two, National Football League matchup of division teams, two and 14 to the under which would favor that total in this Green Bay-Minnesota game. However, Victor feels the points might come up a little bit short. As far as value is concerned, he says either pass or lean to the under in the football game. Talking about the Minnesota Vikings, you're talking about a football team, as we've alluded to many times in the past, under head coach Mike Zimmer, the best team in the National Football League when it comes to beating the spread. Mike Zimmer in his career, how about 45-21-2 against the spread? But... Inside the database, it notes that he's only 13-11 straight up, 12-11-1 to the spread in division games. So it appears Mike Zimmer makes all of his money outside the division. Quarterback Kurt Cousins comes into this football game. He looked pretty good, I have to admit, in game number one, their opening week. But you take a look at Kirk Cousins, and I, I drilled down inside the database with him as a starting quarterback in the National Football League. And when he's found himself in price ranges, which is uh, similar to this game, where he's either been a dog or a favorite of less than three points on either side of the equation. In really close call football games, he's just one and five straight up and against the spread. Hasn't found a way yet to win these games that he's supposed to win in close call type football games. On the other side of the coin, Aaron Rodgers. I called him Willis Reed in the Playbook Football Newsletter. He came out of the locker room at halftime limping like Willis Reed did. And what did he do? He led the Green Bay Packers to a monumental comeback win against the Chicago Bears last Sunday night from a 20 to nothing deficit in typical Aaron Rodgers fashion. What Aaron Rodgers does the best is perform in division games in his career. He realizes the importance of division games. Division games count twice as much for his team as they do non-division football games is of utmost importance to Aaron Rodgers to win those games and it pays off at the pay window where he's 37 and 19 to the spread in his career all-time in division games and how about the first six games of the season in division games when he's been at home he's a perfect 11 and 0 straight up and 9 and 2 to the point spread this Green Bay team, as I mentioned earlier on, is a mission team this year, and given the fact that they suffered that rare losing season last year, missed out on the playoffs, and I see them 
winning the NFC and making it to the Super Bowl this year, provided Aaron Rodgers can stay healthy. They've got a dose of double revenge from a pair of losses they suffered against Minnesota last year. In fact, that last loss was a 16 to nothing loss in their final home game of the season, obviously without Rodgers' last football season here. And I mentioned Rodgers in division games when he's playing back-to-back -back division games. He's been spectacular in the second leg of those, 15-2 and two straight up, 13-4 and four the spread. And when an opponent comes in off a win in those games, he's a perfect 5-0, and oh, both straight up and against the spread, Aaron Rodgers in back-to-back -back division games. With that, I'll stay at home with Aaron Rodgers, Willis Reed, if you may. I'll play the Green Bay Packers against the Minnesota Vikings for my side in this football game. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, it's time now. We're going to hop out to Las Vegas and join in with our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Andy, nice to have you on board this weekend. I hope your weekend worked out well last week, and things are all set for you for this week number two in the National Football League season. Well, yes, Mark, it was a very interesting and surprising weekend, especially in the NFL. And uh, I had an unusual weekend in the, to the extent that uh, uh, my early games did not fare well. My later games did uh, considerably better. And uh, it was just one of those unusual weekends where maybe I should stay in bed for a few weeks and wake up around the time of the start of the late games. Well, <laughs> I can say, Andy, uh, you're talking to the choir <laughs> because we've all been there and done just that. <laughs> yep. And unfortunately, all we can do is uh, look for the better result coming in those late games, if you will. But uh, it's on to week number two in the National Football League this week. And I guess the big news as far as Las Vegas is concerned is the Westgate Superbook contest and the ultimate contest at the Golden Nugget are now underway. And uh, Andy... I'm sure you'd be the man to ask about what those final tallies would be as far as entries were concerned. Yeah, I don't have the uh, the contest standing updates for the Golden Nugget contest. I'll work on getting that incorporated into the routine beginning with the next week's show, although there were 303 entries uh, in the Golden Nugget uh, uh, football contest this year. They uh, radically, or at least greatly, revamped the format of that one. They cut the entry fee in half, uh, but even so, even with cutting the entry fee in half, the... Uh, number of entrants more than doubled from what it had been the previous three years where it fell to top 100. It was in the 90s. Now we've gone a little bit over 300. The Super Contest and the Super Contest Gold, but especially the Super Contest, set a new record. Last year, there were 2,748 entries. This year, 3,123. Fell a little bit short of what they had expected or projected, uh, but nonetheless, it still represented an increase of a little bit under 14% from last year. And the winner-take-all Super Contest Gold, that's the one that has a $5,000 entry fee. Last year, it's inaugural year, they had 94 contestants. This year, 128 uh, ponied up to 5000 That's an increase of a little bit over 36%. And uh, unlike last year, when we had struggles early on, the first week results for both the uh, regular Super Contest and the Super Contest Gold, very encouraging for the, uh, for the consensus. Looking at the regular Super Contest, what they call the Super Contest Classic in, in many circles right now. The consensus went 4-1, and one, the top five picks. Most popular pick last week happened to be the Cincinnati Bengals. They were a clear winner. The uh, second choice last week, the Monday night game, the Rams, another winner. A little bit dicey in the first half, but 
third quarter they took control of that game. The Baltimore Ravens were the third most popular team. Uh, they were a very easy winner in that contest. Minnesota Vikings uh, held on for a point spread cover against San Francisco. They were a winner. The consensus's lone loss was a close loss, although in reality the game was a little bit more one-sided than the final score might indicate. And that was the Houston Texans getting six and a half, lost by seven at New England. Uh, so a very strong start for the consensus, four and one. Overall in the contest, the uh, consensus of all 16 games uh, was a seven correct uh, uh, selections, eight incorrect, and one uh, one game pushed, the Seattle-Denver uh, game pushed. Breaking it down, as I like to do, as to when the consensus is on favorites or underdogs, uh, when the consensus play was the favorite in the game, those went just four, six, and one. Underdogs were two and two, and the lone pick'em game, which was the Thursday night game, the contest line had them pick'em. Uh, the consensus was on the correct side. When I say consensus in this context, I'm talking about the entire uh, 20, uh, excuse me, 3,100 plus entries. Uh, pretty similar results, although the contestants in the gold did a little better. Overall, in the uh, gold contest, the overall results for the 16 games: nine winners, five losers. There was one push, and there was one game in which there was an even number of uh, contestants selecting each side. That was the review of the contest, the classic contest of the Superbook in Las Vegas, 3,123 entries. Andy, any word yet from uh, the Superbook about what the winner will haul down in the contest this year? Have they decided those numbers as of yet that you've learned? I believe they have posted that. I'll be over there uh, either today or tomorrow to pick up the official total, but it looks as though the overall prize field, uh, the overall prize uh, pool will be a little bit under uh, $5 million, which results in a uh, winner's, uh, the winner's share of being, uh, I'm going to say, uh, if I did math correctly, about $1.5 thereabouts. Well, not a bad lottery ticket, $1.5 for the winner of the Classic. Nice to see the gold contest uh, increases entries over 30%. 128 people, like you said, Andy, ponied up $5,000 there that way. Be interesting to see how that all shakes out. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com, publisher of The Logical Approach Football Newsletter. And by the way, Andy, we got copies of your newsletter here this morning here. Great segment in the newsletter that you opened up the preface and talked about teams in the National Football League. When they go, when two winning teams meet, one of them has to lose a football game, is an observation you called out. But the problem is, is what happens in the result after that loss as far as power ratings in the eyes of the Vegas oddsmakers are concerned, with the loser generally being downgraded and the winner being upgraded. And you call out the fact, Andy, in your newsletter that that could indeed be a mistake if you would let our listeners know about your thought process involving football games with two winning teams playing and the result of the aftermath thereafter. Yeah, it's actually not so much the lines makers making those adjustments because they feel they're warranted, but it's their anticipation of the public's overreaction uh, to what they saw last, and especially what they saw last in the first week or two of the season. Again, when two good teams meet, one good team by necessity has to lose. That doesn't necessarily mean you downgrade that. In fact, if I'm going to look at those two teams, rather than downgrade the team that lost, I would tend to upgrade the team that won because that's a 
team that beat, let's call it a playoff caliber team. Similarly, when two teams that are losing teams meet, one of those losing teams has to win. And rather than upgrade uh, that team that, lo- that, that won that game between the two losing teams, I would tend to downgrade the team that lost that game because that's the team that had an opportunity, one of their rare opportunities to win a football game that came up short when they were not, let's say, stepping up in class as might normally be the case. Now, the lines maker does make some reactions, and we can see it in some of these lines for this week. As you recall, over the last couple of years, I've been detailing on a weekly basis what they do at the Westgate, which is about 10 days before uh, the following weekend, they put the lines up for that that, that following weekend after the uh, for games to be played after the coming weekend. So, for example, uh, yesterday they put up the lines for week three, even though week two has not yet been played. But we do have the numbers from week two, which were put up before the opening weekend. And now, of course, we've seen the adjustments when the games came off the board on Sunday and waited to see these games being played. And we've seen some significant adjustments. A perfect example, not so much the Thursday night game, because that game was listed as pick'em before. Uh, The Ravens had an impressive win. Cincinnati had a nice win on the road. That game came right back up and remains pretty much at uh, Pickham. But the first game on the Sunday card, Indianapolis at uh, the Redskins. Colts lost at home, couldn't hold the lead, and the Redskins had one of the more impressive efforts of the uh, weekend in winning on the road at Arizona. Uh, When this line came up about uh, a week or so ago, Washington was a three-point home favorite. Over the over the Colts, well, you figured there'd be a little bit of an adjustment, and indeed the book said, you know what, we're going to make you pay a little bit for the two disparate performances. We'll open the Redskins three and a half. Well, they did that, and the public did what we thought a lot of people would do, and that is the public has so far bet that game up to Washington being a six-point favorite. So a slight reaction from the sports books, which is understandable, and then the overreaction, at least early in the week, from the part of the wagering public. We've seen it in the Carolina. Atlanta game. Atlanta didn't play all that well in that opening game against uh, Philadelphia. Carolina had a nice win, uh, but an ugly win at home against Dallas. Last week, Atlanta was a four-point home favorite when they put out the advance lines. They made a slight adjustment, negative to Atlanta. Atlanta just a three-and-a-half point uh, home favorite, yet the public actually went the other way in this one, and they said, no, you adjusted it the wrong way. Atlanta was bet from three-and-a-half up to uh, five-and-a-half. A couple of other examples, uh, the game game between the Cardinals and the Rams uh, this week may be the most extreme example that I can recall in recent memory. Last week before the season opened, the Rams were projected, actually listed, and bettable as eight-and-a-half point home favorites against the Arizona Cardinals. We saw the Cardinals look absolutely horrible in that loss just mentioned uh, at home against Washington, and we saw the Rams really very impressive second half Monday night against the Raiders. So instead of opening the game at the eight-and-a-half, the Westgate made an adjustment acknowledging the Rams' explosive performance, the Cardinals' pathetic performance. They opened a game of one-and-a-half-point adjustment, which is significant in the absence of any key injuries surrounding the game. Rams opened as a 10-point home favorite, and sure enough, the public reacted to that reaction by overreacting, and as we record the podcast in midweek, the Rams are up to 12-and-a-half-point home favorites. In other words, more than a field goal adjustment from what this line was just a week ago, and based solely on the results of that one game on opening week. Overreactions, if you will, and we see a lot of it on this week's NFL football card, a lot to what we saw in week number one, as outlined by Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com. And Andy, before I turn it over to Victor, 
And I know he's got a question he wants to run by you. Let me circle back and ask you, was there any tally about the final amount of entries that were at the Golden Nugget Ultimate Contest that you were aware of? Yeah, well, that was the one I mentioned, the 303 uh, entrants last, uh, this year compared to a little bit under 100 entrants the previous uh, three years. They revamped the format, so it's now no longer a two-phase contest where everybody competes for half the contest, and then they go to a head-to-head -head format. They've eliminated the head-to-head -head format this year. Everybody participates for the full 17 weeks, almost like the Super Contest format. Uh, the difference is that in the Golden Nugget Contest, you include college football in addition to NFL football, but the one major change they made was no more totals. They wanted to make the Golden Nugget contest more of a handicapping contest rather than a contest where a lot of the sharp guys were all making the same plays based upon, let's call it, significant line movements, the vast majority of which would come in college totals between the time that the contest lines were posted and the times that the selections had to be in. So by eliminating uh, the college and actually the NFL totals as well, which they had last year, uh, they've made it a more of a true, what we consider a handicap contest of trying to find the winners of games against the point spread and not just playing all the significant line moves. Nice to see Tony Miller nearly tripled his tally count in the ultimate contest this week at the Golden Nugget. And Victor, as I mentioned, you I know you've got a question you want to throw at Andy on the show this week as well. I sure do. You know, Mark, you mentioned Andy's great college and pro newsletter. The uh, logicalapproach.com is where you can get it. And in addition to that, I was reading your newsletter today, Andy, and you had some fascinating stuff on buying on or off key numbers in the NFL. I'm hoping you can briefly let us know what are the actual percentages of an NFL game ending right at three points or right at seven points. Well, what you're talking about, Victor, is a study that I do every year <clears throat> updating. And this year, actually, I did a significant update as far as the database that I use, because there's always the question of how far back do you want to go in order to uh, illustrate something. And for many years, I went back to effectively the start of my database, which was uh, the 1981-1982 seasons. Uh, so we're talking about 35 years. And I said, let me uh, modernize it a little bit. We're going to cut down the size of the database, which was over 8,000 games, and look at just the structural uh, consistency of the NFL. I went back to 2002, which is still 16 seasons, so cut it a little bit more in half. Still over 4,000 games. And uh, what I wanted to do was take a look at the key numbers, you know, the three, the sevens, the tens, etc. find out how often those games occur. But it's not so much how often those games occur. It's how often does a game land on seven when the point spread is six and a half, seven, or seven and a half, so that you could buy down from seven and a half to seven, or buy up from seven uh, to seven and a half, etc. If you're taking the dog, but not, but not only that, it's how many times does the favorite win by seven? Okay, for example, historically in the NFL, uh, the a game lands on three about 15% of the time. But of that, only a portion of that, about a little bit more than half of that time, it's the favorite winning by three. Sometimes the underdog wins by three, meaning that buying that extra half point didn't do anything because you didn't need that half point because the underdog won outright. So the key numbers that, uh, that I've looked at, and I looked at uh, uh, the 10 most popular results, uh, the three 
three, the seven, the six, the ten, the four, the fourteen, the one, the two, the eight, and the seventeen. And I'm going to be reporting on the results of this in next week's edition of the newsletter after presenting the data this week. Basically, to answer your question, the number, I'll use an example. Uh, How often does a team favored by two and a half? three or three and a half, how often do they win by exactly three points? Well, over the last 16 years, 2002 to 2017, there have been 1,359 instances of a team being favored by two and a half, three, or three and a half. And again, I'm using closing numbers here, not the numbers that existed during the week. Uh, Of those 1,359 situations, 113 times the favorite actually won that game by exactly three points, a little bit more than eight and a quarter percent, 8.3 percent to be uh, precise. Looking over just the last six years, 2012 to 2017, a slightly higher percentage in a little bit more than 500 games, 8.9 percent. And in next week's issue, what I'm going to do is talk about the implications uh, of that. And now, are there any numbers that make sense to consider buying the half point? In other words, if uh, if you're uh, getting six and a half, is it worth buying up to seven? If you're getting two and a half, is it worth buying up to three, etc.? Uh, the database, as I mentioned, is a lot is a lot smaller when I just break it down to the last 16 seasons. But then again, we're looking at the modern era of the NFL football. 2002 is a key uh, a key year because that's the year that the NFL uh, went to 32 teams. They added the new Houston franchise in 2002, and that. It also made a considerable change in alignment. The league went from six divisions to eight divisions, four in each conference. They kept the playoff field at 12 teams, but instead of six wild cards per conference, it was reduced to four wild cards per conference. And so we've had that basic structure in place since 2002. Seemed to me to update things a little bit. Numbers aren't that different if I had gone back to 1982, 1981, where I began. the numbers are pretty much the same, but the game has changed significantly in the last third of a century. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And if you like what Andy's talking about, you'll love visiting Andy at the new Sports Data University, where Andy will be a teaching instructor at Sports Data University. The SportsData.com website is currently in beta mode and will be up in full operation here in a few weeks. Make plans to t- attend live classes with Andy Esco where you can ask him questions as well as learning a lot deeper in these numbers that Andy reports here on the show. And Andy, before I let you go, I know our listeners would love to know what you're looking at on this week's NFL football card. Well, I'm going to look at a game where I'm going to take a team coming off a loss uh, facing a team uh, coming off a win. And I'm going to look at the game between Oakland and Denver. Uh, that line, which uh, last week was rejected to De- as Denver being a three-point home favorite in the uh, advanced lines from the Westgate, uh, after the result uh, of this weekend, the line opened Denver four, and then we saw a further adjustment on Monday night such that Denver is now a five-and-a-half-point home favorite over division rival Oakland. Five-and-a-half is that no-man's land. We don't know if the late actual will push that number up closer to a touchdown 
or back down closer to a field goal. Wouldn't be surprised if this number ends up on six. And I'm going to take the Oakland Raiders in this game for a number of factors. Denver, though they won, was not as impressive as I would have liked to have seen them uh, up against Seattle playing at home in their opening game of the season. Uh, I was able to uh, uh, get a win with Denver. I played the Broncos over the summer as a two-point favor, but basically for the last uh, two to three weeks, Denver had been a solid three-point favorite, so most people pushed in that game with either Seattle or the Broncos. And, of course, Oakland... Very competitive in the first half of their game against uh, the Rams, and then the Rams took over in the second half and ended up getting a very comfortable and covering 20-point win. I'm going to look for Oakland to bounce back and put in a better 60-minute effort uh, this week. A number of factors lead me to that. I think that even with Denver getting Case Keenum at quarterback, I believe Derek Carr is a better quarterback overall for the Oakland Raiders. And then you've got what we often talk about as a team showing most of its greatest improvement show throughout the season between weeks one and week two where you've got a chance to adru- uh, to make adjustments, especially with a first-year coach. And even though John Gruden is in his second tenure as a head coach in the NFL, after being out of the game for 10 years uh, and being away from Oakland for longer than that after, as he ended his, coaching, his first coaching tenure with Tampa Bay, uh, it's basically a new first-year coach coaching new personnel that he hadn't been uh, seeing other than as an analyst for ESPN. So I'm going to look for Oakland to make some adjustments. I wouldn't be surprised if they win this game, but I wouldn't be surprised if Denver ends up winning this game by a field goal. So rather than uh, take a be a little bit greedy and go for Oakland on the money line, most of my play will be Oakland plus the five and a half. But I'm actually going to I'll, for these purposes, since it's at five and a half now, uh, we'll use that as uh, the line to grade me personally. And I would recommend people monitoring monitoring those lines so that if you see it going to six, uh, hold off and see if it uh, gets across a six. If you start seeing five showing up, grab the five and a half as soon as you can. Andy Isco on the Oakland Raiders in this football game looking to take six points. They'll also love the fact knowing that Denver's just 1-12 to the spread as a favorite against teams coming off a Monday night football game. Andy, a great segment on the show. Once again, as always, I'm going to wish you the very best of luck this week. And I'll look forward to visiting with you next week here on Mark Lawrence against the spread. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Victor. And uh, let's all have a great weekend. Thank you. That was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I are going to put the final wraps on the show. I'll share with you my awesome angle of the week and our complimentary plays when we're back with the final segment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as in Apple and G as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. From the hot South Florida sun, it's Mark Lawrence with his awesome angle of the week. All right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week on the show this week. We call it Danger Field. 
home dogs, as in Rodney Dangerfield, lack of respect, home dogs. And what we're looking to do is to play on any 700 or greater college football home dog of more than 13 points if they're coming off consecutive wins and they're taking on an opponent who comes off a big win of 24 or more points. These 700 or greater home dogs of 13 or more off back-to-back -back wins taking on foes off a win of 24 or more points are 24-4 and four against the spread since 1986. Our play this week, our Rodney Dangerfield home dog in college football will be Old Miss, Mississippi, plus the points against invading Alabama. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out what Victor's got on tap this week. And also, Victor, if you would, to share with our listeners your complimentary play on the totals card this week. Sure thing, Mark. It was a nice first week of the season for our service in the NFL, our King Creole Dog Pound Hotline service. We ended up going 4-1 and one in pro football. Of course, the totals plays in the totals tip sheet, we used those on our service on Sunday, we also added a underdog play courtesy of our new top dog, Monkey. And, of course, that was on the Chicago Bears that I mentioned at the top of the show. Uh, pretty much their ATS outcome was in no doubt against Green Bay. It got a little nerve-wracking at the end of the game, but they did uh, bring home the bacon for underdog betters. And then we came back on Monday with a nice play. Three-star under the total in the Rams and Raiders game. Another game that uh, we had to wait for the entire 60 minutes because there was a pick six late in the game, but we brought that one home by a point to two points, four and one in the NFL in week one. Uh, this week we have our Uber over week. And when I say Uber over, it's been nothing but unders thus far in both college football and in the NFL. And we have our first NFL four-star over of the season. It's our over of the week. It'll be up at the playbook.com website uh, this evening on Wednesday night and also a three-star over the total in college football on Saturday. So it's our Uber over weekend. We've been waiting to strike out with an over or two and we're firing on all cylinders thanks to a nice week one. Both selections, of course, as I mentioned, available at the playbook.com website as of Wednesday evening. For our free play of the week, we are going to go to the totals tip sheet, and we're going to take a look at this game here that I've been holding up to the uh, monitor, and it's the Chargers and the Bills. We're going under the total. It was a rough first week for the Buffalo Bills, that is for sure, on offense, losing that game, what, 47-3 to to the Baltimore Ravens. The Chargers, on the meantime, were involved in a shootout at home against the Kansas City Chiefs in week one. Now, in this particular game, I jumped on the over immediately at the opening line of 44-and-a-half. Lo and behold, we're here on Wednesday. It's already down to 42-and-a-half, maybe some 43s out there. But you're going to want to get in as soon as possible, like we mentioned in last week's uh, game with the Cleveland-Pittsburgh first game of the season. Chargers, Bills under the total. Now, this game qualifies in one of my favorites under situations in the NFL, and that is... We take non-division games, and if the road team is favored, we always think under first. There's actually a couple of games in this scenario this week, but the larger the spread for that road favorite, the higher the percentage of games that indeed go under the total. 
And in this game, the last time we looked, the Chargers were up to, what, seven, seven and a half? There's even some minus eights on the road there. So we're definitely going under the total. And from the database, I submit this to you. In the last three seasons, big road favorites in the NFL of seven or more points like the Chargers have gone five and 29 over under. Five overs, 29 unders, and that includes one and 14 in non-division play. I know what some might be asking. This is one of those uh, time zone games, isn't it? Isn't it? A West Coast team traveling all the way across the country, uh, crossing multiple time zones. A lot of time, these games tend to end up with higher scoring results, more higher than people anticipate. That's only the case if the West Coast team is an underdog. And the Chargers certainly are not in this one. In fact, NFL West time zone road favorites have gone 2-13 and 13 in the last four years versus any East time zone opponent in the Sunday early kickoffs. And, of course, this also includes a perfect 0-7 in Game 7 or less. There you have it. There's still some value in this one. If we could get your line at 41.5 or more, that should be your target line. But, again, under the total, Chargers, Bills, Sunday. We don't know who's starting a quarterback for Buffalo. It's probably going to be Josh Allen. But the Chargers are a little pissed off after allowing Kansas City so many points and freak yards last week that they should definitely put the screws down in terms of defense. Chargers, Bills under the total. And don't forget, if you like overs, this is our first week of overs. A nice one on Saturday in college football and a four-star over the week on Sunday in the NFL Available at the playbook.com website. And of course, Mark, best of luck to you this weekend as well. Well, thank you, Victor. I appreciate that. Best of luck to you with your Uber over this week. One question I have to ask you is uh, if an alternative plan is in place to Uber being as popular as they are and Lyft, their competitor, is there anything with <laughs> Lyft in the over under tolls? Maybe Lyft up or something. Uh, right. But nonetheless, <laughs> it is an Uber over. Big play for Victor, available at playbook.com. And great stats for Victor in that in that Chargers-Bills game. Road favorites of 7 or more, 5 and 29 to the under. Great support in that football matchup as well. Before I get to my complimentary play on the football card this week, I want to remind our listeners once again out there about the all-new playbook tokens that are being very popularly widely received, and people love them at the playbook.com website. You can get 20% bonuses when you use your playbook tokens and make purchases on the site for experts, picks, and publications. Check it out, playbook tokens. Click on the tokens link at playbook.com. And just a quick reminder also, I'll be featuring a $99 football weekend of winners highlighted with my college football underdog game of the month this Saturday. This college football cart is loaded with live dogs that I can see a lot of them winning the game straight up. It's all part of that $99 football weekend of winners. And by the way, if you were with me last weekend, I laid an egg on the opening week NFL and college football cards last week. You will get this weekend free of charge on me. That's the way we operate. I performed poorly last week. I'll be back to give you this week compliments of me for our $99 football weekend of winners. You can check it out at playbook.com or call the office toll-free to get on board. The number is 1-800-321-7777. My complimentary play on the college football card this week, we're going to look to a team that also laid an egg last week, the Pitt Panthers, who were destroyed in a 45-point home loss to Penn State last week. They're back at home hosting Georgia Tech this week. 
Lots of line value in this game when I say that because this line basically opened up at Pickham and is now Pittsburgh a five-and-a-half point dog as we're speaking here. Remember this, Pittsburgh in that game against Penn State ran the football for over 200 yards in the first half of the contest. They'll be going up against Georgia Tech, who also likes to run the football. Probably a good makeup for an undertotal in this game as well. But tons of value in the football game, and we'll note that Georgia Tech now 0-6 straight up into the spread the last six times they've gone out as road favorites look for pittsburgh to wipe that egg off their face i see them in the upset over georgia tech for my complimentary play on saturday's football card and that's going to put the final wraps on this edition of mark lawrence against the spread i want to thank victor king from king creole sports and andy isco from TheLogicalApproach.com for another outstanding job on the show this week until next week for victor andy and my good friend jack reynolds who i know is listening from above once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always to remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always.